0: Hey there, and welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show recapping the 2022 Thanksgiving weekend. My name is Paulo, and I'm your host. Hope everyone's doing well out there. For my American listeners, hope you had a great Thanksgiving if you celebrate lots of turkey or other uh, side dishes. Uh, myself, I definitely made too much food for four people, so now we have like two weeks worth of leftovers with my fridge. And of course, hopefully, everyone's gotten some great Black Friday, Cyber Monday deals. Uh, I definitely have uh, quite a few of my own, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about uh, movie box office, and boy, howdy, do we have some headlines to go over this weekend. Uh, one quick note, since a lot of these open on Wednesday the 23rd, I'll be reporting mostly the three-day numbers for Friday, Saturday, Sunday in comparison, but will mention the cumulative five-day totals as well. So, in first place, we have Black Panther Wakanda Forever in its third weekend, dropping 31% to 45.5 million in 4,258 theaters for a 10,705 per theater average and a 367.4 million running domestic total. Worldwide, it's made 307.9 million overseas for 675.3 million worldwide total. At this point, it's now outpacing both Love and Thunder and Multiverse of Madness for the year in the equivalent third weekend, though that given how it came in below estimates uh, for this weekend, uh, it probably has about $100 million or so left in the tank domestically for a sub-$500 million domestic run. Uh, given that the World Cup right now is going on and is drawing eyes away from movie theaters otherwise overseas, it's likely it's unlikely this will hit $1 billion at this point. Uh, the big story this week, though, is second place, which is another Disney film. Uh, their animated film uh, *Strange World* opening to twelve point one million in four thousand one hundred seventy-four theaters for two thousand nine hundred eleven per theater average and a five-day total of eighteen point eight million. It mustered another nine million dollars overseas. Again, not helped by the World Cup. Apparently, in the UK, only six thousand people period went to see it on its opening day across the entire country. So, about twenty-eight million dollars uh, worldwide on its. Now, this is the problem, $200 million production budget. That's even lower than the nineteen point one $19.1 million that box office pros had forecasted for the three-day, or $26.8 million for the five-day. Now, this three-day total is pretty miserable, especially against that budget. Uh, estimates before finalized numbers came in were a little bit worse, $11.9 million. But still, uh, that would have put it below Disney's Treasure Planet, opening at pretty much $12 million flat, only about 68000 separating them, but that's also 20 years of inflation. Uh, Treasure Planet aside, it is the worst Walt Disney animated opening since The Emperor's New Groove in 2000, which opened sub $10 million. That's worse than pretty much every film in the so called dark era of Disney films uh, Home on the Reigns, 13.8 million, Brother Bear, 19.4 million, Atlantis The Lost City, 20.3 million, Meet the Robinsons, 25.1 million, and Bolt, 26 million. You get the idea. Uh, what's more, it's broken Disney's perfect streak of having an A-minus minimum so- score on CinemaScore since CinemaScore began back in uh, back in 30 years ago when Beauty and the Beast came out. Um, you know, this is the first Disney film to get a B uh, in their entire canon. Uh, you know, the, the the Walt Disney animated feature canon. Uh, it has a sub-70 score on Metacritic with 65 uh, and a and a bad for Disney 74% critic, 64% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, between the lack of marketing, a potential controversy, over a gay teen romance That might have Driven away More more of conservative families uh, To the point Where now This is actually has uh, You know For an average PG film You normally see About seven, 43% Under 17 years old According to Post Track This one only had 33% um, Not to mention Right This LGBT uh, film You know Again Not a problem With it here On its own But uh, in countries Where that's More sensitive uh, Topic overseas Such as You know Southeast Asia The Middle East um, You know This is definitely Not getting released Over there Um and further limiting its uh, worldwide potential. Uh, on top of that, you know the genre of science fiction adventure hasn't really been hot lately, um, and you know it doesn't seem to have, especially with the today's youth. Um, and you know this this is just a certifiable flop. Probably set when all said is done, to maybe be a hundred million dollar loss for Disney. Now reportedly, Disney knew they had a problem back in August after test screenings, Um, and so you know the question is why did they continue to release it after sending it instead of sending it straight to streaming? Um, You know, saved on the marketing budget, right? Um, Well, well, not that there was much spent on the marketing budget, I think. Um, Reportedly, though, reasons include not wanting to cause an uproar with exhibitors who you know they've kind of gotten used to having a Disney animated film for Thanksgiving, um, so you're not having that would upset upset the uh, upset uh, exhibitors. Um, It would cause an uproar, you know, as much as this wasn't seen by families, right, or more in more conservative areas. um, It would equally be equally be a problem for Disney uh, if if it was to to piss off the LGBTQ plus groups for sidelining a gay teen romance in a not as you know in a in a less uh, prominent release window, especially after the "Don't Say Gay" debacle earlier this year. And then furthermore, they probably don't want to piss off their animators. You know, this would be, you know, if this had gone straight to, to, um, to streaming, you know, after, you know, after turning red and Raya and Soul and Luca, um, that would not have made them happy. So they want to keep them happy as well. So all said and done, I think this is another miss uh, for animated family-friendly films this year since the Minions back in June, right? We had DC League of Super Pets. Uh, we had Lila the Crocodile failing, and now we have Strange World. So I think that sets up another film we'll talk about later this episode to fill that void come December you. <laughs> Uh, Moving on to third place, we have yet another new opening, though this was a little bit of a weird one. Uh, Numbers aren't finalized, Um, I don't think we'll ever get final numbers actually, but Glass Onion, a Knives Out Mystery from Netflix, had a semi-limited release with 696 theaters for a one-week engagement before coming to streaming in a month, which I was actually able to see this in theaters, I'll talk about it a little bit later. Now note that it won't be in theaters for that entire month, right, it'll just be here for this one holiday week actually. Um, In fact, I think as of when this episode will come out, it'll probably be gone from theaters. uh, which is, that's a bit of a same right it actually did it did pretty well um, It made an estimated 9.2 million dollars in just under 700 theaters for a 13218 per theater average the highest of the weekend um, and and it, it over the five days making about 13.3 million. Now this is just a tad over the eight million three day uh, and and twelve million five day forecast from Box Office Pros. Um, it had pretty solid reviews, right? Eighty one Metacritic, ninety three percent critics, ninety two audience on Rotten Tomatoes. Honestly, I think this could have done so much more had it gotten a proper wide release, even for just this one week, um, and and or what more if it, it gotten a proper release and stayed in theaters for a month. Um, you know, before you know, as opposed to what it's doing now is teasing us, you know, with a, with a, with it for a week and then it going away for a month before coming back. Uh, for for uh, coming on streaming, kind of killing, unfortunately, and I, it it definitely puts a, a halter on the momentum for this um, to roll out box office wise and awards wise. Now there have been headlines, right, like uh, that you know Netflix isn't you know, interested in movie theaters, right? They they're doing it one for the Oscar qualification, uh, but also two, right, to uh, maybe maybe uh, meet a particular. Um, uh, contract uh, with the, or maybe for perhaps, um, you know, they can't do it for more than a week because of uh, you know the way that they paid out um, their their the contracts with the uh, with the, with the you know various actors and directors and producers and so on. Who knows, right? It doesn't make obviously it doesn't make sense for them. They they would want people to see it in uh, on those streaming servers as opposed to in theaters. But again, you know, even having it on a limited release, right? Like you know, a couple like even fewer theaters this first weekend and then slowly rolling out before uh, you know event, like over the month before getting to Netflix. Uh, um, it would have, I think, gone really well. Alas, I don't think we'll ever really know how well this could have done. Is it going to be, remain a question of what if? Uh, moving to fourth place, we have another new opener in Devosun from Sony Pictures uh, based on the real-story Korean War Plane Movie. Now, this one made $5.9 million in 3,405 theaters for a 1734 per theater average and a five-day total of $9 million. sort the $7 million and $10 million respective box office post-forecasts. Now, this is, if that seems like a bit of a flop, it kind of is, given it had a $90 million production budget. The only reason it's not really being talked about more is that it, it's been overshadowed uh, by Strange World's even bigger disaster. A bit of a shame this actually this one actually has decent reviews on a Cinema Score, actually the highest of the week since Glass Onion wasn't pulled for. 79% critics, 93% audience on Rotten Tomatoes. This one, I think, is just has the issue of being perhaps caught in the wake uh, of, of, of uh, Top Gun this year. I if to give that Glenn Powell appears in both. Poor marketing against you know a, a fairly high budget for what it is. So um, yeah, unfortunate for for Devotion. Um, probably not going to be profitable. Uh, riding out of the top five, the menu dropped 39% to $5.5 million this week and 3,228 theaters for a sixteen ninety-seven per theater average and an $18.9 million total to date. It's $33.7 million worldwide, which is just sort of the break-even point uh, given the, uh, which is, no, not just short, but but still very much sort of the $30 million production budget. So, you no, know, not looking great, though. I'm leaning more, I'm hearing more and more good word of mouth on about it, um, and, you know, the, the schedule for the next couple of weeks does look pretty light, so who knows, it might schedule weren't so packed with other films i'm trying to see for the oscars i'd probably go see this one uh, outside of the top five, we have a couple of expansions. The Fabelmans went up to 638 theaters from four last weekend, uh, last two weekends, making 2.2 million for the three-day weekend and a 3.4 million to date, uh, 3,544 per theater average. Sort of box office post forecast, which isn't great, and you know it it's sort it's it made even less than uh than uh than Knives Out did um, on its uh in this long weekend. Um, though you know, looking at other Oscar contenders, it does rank third among those who came out this year uh, in terms. Of their third day, third weekend totals. Uh, Bones and All uh, also expanded in second weekend to 2727 theaters for 2.2 million. Only about $3,000 difference between the two. But this one, being in so many more theaters, had an 838 per theater, 828 per theater average and a 3.7 million dollar total to date. Uh, the rapid expansion suggests Timothy Salome fans can only bring this one so far. Otherwise, you know, most other Oscar contenders lost theaters, aside from C. Said gaining uh, one theater. Uh, they were dropped by 48 percent to. A four point three million total to date. Uh, Woman King also added two hundred sixty seven theaters for five twenty five. Though that's likely it'll go away shortly. Uh, Also, Minions ended its run after twenty one weeks with a three hundred sixty nine million domestic total, nine thirty nine million dollars worldwide. Now, as far as new releases, Venice Film Festival winner documentary "All the Beauty and Bloodshed" had a limited release uh, for nine point six thousand in three over the three-day weekend, making uh, twenty-eight point eight thousand per theater average uh, in three theaters, um, or three hundred thirty-eight point one k for the weekend. Uh, still, it's in contention for documentary, but I don't think it's going to be making it the best picture with those numbers. And there were also sneak previews of Sony's The Sun, which had apparently moved off its November 11th release date, then off of its 25th release date to the release in sometime in January, but apparently some theaters still uh, are running it for one week. Uh, no numbers on this one, unlike uh, with, um, unlike with uh, Glass Onion. Uh, same with Netflix's White Noise, coming to streaming on de- December 30th. The big one I alluded to, though, earlier was Puss in Boots, DreamWorks' latest entry in the Shrek universe. Uh, while no numbers were reported for the single SoTime nationwide on Saturday in various theaters, it apparently had rave reviews, an 89% off of 9 uh, reviews from Rotten Tomatoes critics, and a 98% from audiences. Given the lack of animated films uh, from the Minions to Now, like I mentioned, um, you know, again, DC League of Super Pets, Pause of Fury, Lateral Crocodile, Strange World, not to mention its proximity to Avatar 2 as counting programming, I mean, are you going to take your, your, your elementary school kid uh, to go watch uh, a three hour movie uh, about a world of water? You're definitely going to be having to go to the bathroom after that. Um, this one, Should break out huge, like Alvin and the Chipmunks uh, versus Star Wars or even the first Avatar film. Heck, this one could even catapult it into the animated feature Oscar race uh, now that Strange World is looking like less of a story thing. Overall, for the weekend, we came in south of hundred million dollars with ninety-two million dollars total for honestly the worst Thanksgiving weekend in history, box office wise. Not accounting the pandemic, of course. um, Though this one did even worse open than last year, and Condo had led a ninety-six million dollar weekend. The last time pre the last time pre pandemic that Thanksgiving came under hundred million dollars was in nineteen ninety four, when the box office made ninety four point five million with a $4.08 $4.08 8 average ticket prices. So uh, definitely a different time. Um, the next couple of weekends aren't looking that much great either. Next weekend, we have the anime film uh, The Quintessential Quintuplets from Crunchyroll and the Dave Harbour holiday film Violent Night from Universal. Forecasts for $8 to $13 million as the only wide releases. Um, apparently, we are getting a re-release uh, for um, for two weeks for Top Gun Maverick to IMAX again though, so that's exciting. Uh, there's also the limited releases of the Will Smith Apple TV film. A emancipation, uh, A24's The Eternal Daughter, India's entry to the Oscar film over RRR, uh, the last film So, and in focus features game uh, you know, uh, uh, romanti- uh, romantic drama uh, spoiler alert uh, as limited releases. Heck, even one of the Oscar frontrunners, Woman's Talking, moved off of uh, tom- ne- uh, ne- this coming weekend's uh, De- uh, De- December 2nd release for December 23rd release date, so makes sense why Top Gun Maverick chose, chose this weekend to come back. And then the weekend after that, we do have the release of the fa- or re-release of Father Stew, uh PG version, Brendan Fraser in a fat suit in The Whale from A24 for its Best a- Actor campaign, and then the number one Oscar-limited li- uh, release, uh, as- a number of Oscar-limited releases, as well as the U.S. release of the fourth Evangelion film, so yeah, next two weeks are not looking great, but at least we have the way of water to save the box office after that. Uh, overseas a couple of interesting tidbits over in the uk they don't celebrate thanksgiving but we did have a new release that topped black panther matilda a film adaptation of the west end musical adaptation of the beloved royal doll book about a sick girl in a traumatizing school notably different than the 1996 film based on the same novel so two separate adaptations um this one made five million u.s in its opening weekend about half of the domestic box office um this version will be coming to netflix overseas but did get uh, a uk ireland only release uh, from sony Uh, Over in Japan Suzume Makoto Sinkai's new film still holds the number one spot in its third weekend uh, up to 45 million US uh, or about 6.27 billion yen twice as much as Your Name's third week total Uh, in second place another anime film came out The Time I Reincarnated as a Slime made 2.14 million US this weekend Uh, the drama film Bose or Motherhood came in third 1.6 million US Uh, One Piece Red in fourth place uh, with about uh, 134.9 million US to date Um, uh, and then Black Panther came in fifth, kind of telling how, you know, a country that loves animation, um, especially Disney animation, you know, you 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 should have seen the numbers they did for Frozen um, in Japan, uh, did not come out for Strange World, so it didn't even crack, crack the top five, so definitely a flop. Uh, over in China, no major releases from the last five top five releases with no new no new films. That said, things are getting pretty testy over there. We're actually seeing some protests breaking out in cities like Shanghai and others uh, over the strict zero COVID policy, and reportedly, some protesters are using the phrase, I want to see a movie, uh, translated, of course, as a protest slogan that's gone viral, uh, reflecting how currently there are only 42% of movie theaters open in China, uh, with that number going down every day. Uh, we haven't really had an in-depth uh, explanation of why Chinese theaters are are partially close, but long and sort of it is that, one, uh, China had a successful zero COVID policy early on in the pandemic, you know, uh, you know, strict quarantining, you know, if, if you were, you know, you were being tracked by the government, um, if someone, you you know, someone, you went to a restaurant some, and, and somebody um, at your place uh, had COVID, you and your apartment would be uh, locked down, basically. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that, that was good early on in the pandemic. Um, however, this led to a population that did not have a natural immunity to COVID built up over time. As they never got the antibodies for it, and they also didn't see a need for uh, vaccination um, due to you know uh, the success of the zero COVID policy. So when the vaccine did come out, it was less effective. Uh, two, uh, the vaccines which they did use make did not use the more effective mRNA technology used here in the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines, um, and those as a result they were much less effective against the uh, Omicron variant that is now the dominant strain. Um, it spreads a lot more quicker throughout the population, which already had you know immunodeficiency. As a result of not vaccinating as much and not having natural antibodies, this makes you know containing it with the same zero COVID policy much trickier. Uh, and then three, the, the CCP and Z, uh, Xi Jinping uh, doesn't really want to switch uh, to a different vaccine or to back down from uh, the, the zero COVID policy, which is pretty much synonymous with with, with Xi Jinping at this point. Um, and because it would you know for them look bad to admit defeat, um, and hence the, their insistence on continuing this policy. Things came to a head last weekend uh, when, um, as when, as a result of the of the uh, quarantine policy, uh, many people uh, many people died uh, in in a building that caught on fire in the western uh, western China. Um, you know, people were not allowed to escape. You know, maybe their fire uh, rumors are their fire escapes were locked off. Of these, these those weren't allowed to escape the building because of quarantine, and then uh, firefighters were not allowed in as well to take care of it. So um, these deaths led to many protests across the country. Um, on top of that, you know, you have the World Cup going on right now, which you know not only is it depressing box office worldwide, but it's depressing people in China who are seeing, you know, these crowd shots of people uh, gathering in packed stadiums without masks, leading to much more discontent over there. So to bring it back to the box office, you know, as a result, the number of movie theaters continue to close each week as people are under strict, uh, co- uh, you know, uh, zero COVID policy, which makes even though Avatar does have the green light to open in two weeks in China, it's up in the air, if it will actually have a significant impact uh, on the box office if everything is basically closing that point uh, moving back to China, you know some other headlines, uh, Legendary, uh, the company uh, production company behind the Godzilla films and Dune franchise has entered a multi-year distribution deal uh, worldwide with Sony Pictures, parting ways with their longtime partner Warner Brothers Warner Brothers before they got acquired with Discovery. Now, notably, current projects are, are still in partnership with Warner Brothers. Dune Part 2 uh, and the MonsterVerse franchise are still within uh, Warner Brothers to my knowledge. I'm not sure if this is going to be the next film or the entire franchise. Um, could just you know we'll, we'll see how things shake out however given you know the spat they had right when they first announced the day and date releases uh, to hBO Max which didn't go over well with them uh, and then uh, all, as well as the uncertainty with zaslav's changes uh, in recent months no wonder that uh you know uh, legendary was looking to make the leap and it sounds like they landed with Sony. Uh, over on the exhibition side of things, Amazon announced a $1 billion push to put, to, uh, put their films in theaters, uh, with plans to release maybe 12 to 15 releases a year, exact numbers TBD. Uh, between their acquisition of MGM, it's becoming clear that this is, you know, there is a cap on how much they can make uh, on streaming revenue-wise, so it makes sense to try to diversify their revenue here. Uh, finally, on the Disney side of things, uh, Bob Iger apparently held a town hall with the comp- within the company where the main takeaways are reportedly that A, Disney's still in the hiring freeze, uh, B, no new acquisitions are going to be had for the time being, and then C, despite rumors to the contrary, Disney is not looking to be acquired by Apple, so looks like business as usual. Uh, speaking of Disney, though, I had mentioned the past few weeks I've been binging stuff on Disney Plus as my annual subscription ends this week. So I'm not planning on, re- and I'm not planning on renewing it. So we'll do a quick lightning round on what I've been watching, uh, recapping what I've seen the past couple of weeks, as well as giving my rankings to all the Muppet movies. First, non-Muppet stuff. Uh, or first, first something non-Disney. I ended up watching Glass Onion this weekend, like I mentioned. No spoilers, since it is a whodunit, but I did say I really did enjoy it. Anecdotal, it was actually the most full I've seen the movie theaters at uh, in months, honestly. There's even an older couple uh, who ended up seating in my seats. Uh, and I don't think they really understood the whole idea of assigned seats, frankly speaking. Um, so I let them have my seat. I just found another seat nearby that no one else was using. So it worked out. Um, in any case, if you did like the first Knives Out movie, I think you'll definitely like this one as well. I hope this one has some legs Oscar-wise. as, as it, I, I think it would deserve it, particularly in the screenplay and for Janelle Monáe for supporting actors specifically. That said, I think I personally liked the first one a little bit more um, due to the way it did its characterization and plot twist. Here, I think some of the characters felt a little bit more one-note. Um, but again, not to knock this one. Uh, overall, I'll give it a 4 out of 5, uh, similar to the same score I gave the first one. Uh, moving to Disney+, in addition to the Muppet movies, I watched for the first time uh, The Princess Bride perfect 5 out of 5 no notes Uh, The Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Spatial uh, pretty fun uh, despite a Swole Groot kind of freaking me out as a baby Groot fan uh, gave it a 4 out of 5 and then I also watched both Who Framed Roger the Rabbit and the new Chippendale movie both 5 out of 5 I'm just a sucker for these meta-aware worlds of cartoon characters interacting with live accident films in super creative ways kind of talking about Hollywood Um, bump that lamp y'all anyway I also watched the documentary uh, Fire of Love National Geographic since there is a buzz that it will probably get an Oscar nomination, Uh, but honestly, it wasn't really my jam. I thought they could have done a lot more with the archival footage they had. It wasn't really a strong point of view from the documentarian, Um, and and the narration was somewhat sleep-inducing for me, so two out of five. And then of course, I did make, make my way through all of the Muppet movies, both on Disney Plus and on Hulu. I think for me, what makes a great Muppet movie is A, it has to have just enough plot. There, there is a narrative moving it forward, but not so much that it pulls them on rails and doesn't let them bounce off each other and have some nonsense. Uh, B, in these original songs, the Muppets are surprisingly musical, and I think they really get to shine when they get to sing and make especially original songs. Uh, C, a little bit of characterization for the, for the Muppets as Muppets, right? Seeing them as other characters is fun, but it's fine but it's not you know what I really am there for um in particular especially when they can bounce off of each other and we get to learn them not only as these like joke machines but just as individuals right like you would in any other near other film and then the you know celebrity cameos uh I think are part of the of the Muppets DNA um but it has to be that they don't overwhelm the Muppets right Kermit and would be front and center um and of course this was a world to every Muppet movie but just the technological right like the way they're able to make these Muppets move especially when they have the full body shots always really impressed me um I was constantly marveling at how I was able to do some of these things. So, I'm going to work my bottom up of all the Muppet films. Uh, for me, the lowest tier, so to speak, are the literary Muppet films, right? Muppet Treasure Island and The Muppet Christmas Carol, just above it. Um, I think my issue with both of these is that, you know, they tell the literary story as is uh, with just some of the, the characters swapped out with Muppets, but crucially, the main protagonist role is still a human individual, unfortunately. This kind of limits uh, what the Muppet characters can do since they really can't deviate from the prescribed plot point, point. Um, and so it kind of takes the focus away from those lovable goofs. There were original songs in there but you know it it didn't really have the same charm to me so overall I gave these 3 out of 5 uh, which, you know, 3 out of 5 being the lowest is still pretty good um, The next tier up, I have The Muppets Most Wanted And The Great Muppet Caper And then Muppets in Space in that order Muppets, two wa- Muppets Most Wanted was a fun sequel to the 2011 revival But I think a little bit too centric on Kermit the Frog And a little bit too plot-driven um, I appreciate the multitude of cameos Probably some of the best cameos Since, I guess, frankly, because it's more recent I, I recognize more of the individuals But also the continuation of original songs, right? Like, in particular, I love the first song Kind of breaking the fourth wall Talking about the nature of the film. Being a sequel, um, the Great Muppet Caper, you know, kind of uh, towed that line um, of being about the Muppets um, per se, but also being about characters that they're playing. Right, they're basically playing characters similar to themselves, but still. Oh, it's a movie, right? It's not actually Kermit the Frog, um, but yeah, I mean, it. it, it it, it it was pretty fun, especially the Hollywood Hotel segments. But I think a little bit too plot centric for me as well. A lot, a lot, there was goofy, there were goofy segments, but not as much. Uh, so you know, and then uh, Muppets in Space, um, I think, is the next tier up. Um, but you know, those two others, I would say, three point five out of five. If I gave half points, I gave them four point five on leather, four out of five on Leatherbox. Uh, Muppets in Space uh, is the next tier, followed by Muppets Take Manhattan. Uh, Muppets in Space, I like that they returned to the Muppet centric story here. Um, the Muppets are themselves. I uh, I, I and and yes. They do interact with live-action humans, but those humans aren't supporting roles and it's all about the Muppets' stories, especially Gonzo. Um, I love the fact that it's canon, that they all basically just live in one big house goofing off with each other and going off to their different jobs. My only real gripe is that they kind of skimped on the original songs. Here, the only real musical number that stood out was the Earth, Wind, and Fire cover by Gonzo's alien family. Uh, meanwhile, Muppets Take Manhattan, it was Pretty much everything I liked, right? The puppet work, the cameos, um, original musical numbers, Muppets the themselves in the universe trying the pitch a solo Broadway. I mean, if anything else, it was a little bit too plot-centric in that regard, but not overbearingly so, um, and kind of ended, you know, in a nice uh, thing, which I'm not quite sure. Did they retro, did they retro, uh, ret- retcon that in future films? I'm not sure. I, I thought they got married in this one. Um, but yeah, I also will say I finally figured out where that Verbo commercial song came came from, so uh, glad I figured out that mystery. Again, I would give this a 4.5 out of out of five on box. if I gave half points. Just let them with a four out of five here. Uh, finally, for the top tier, we have the original Muppet movie and the 2011 Muppet movie as perfect fives out of fives for me. For the original film, I mean, what can you say? You start off with Rainbow Connection for the musical numbers and just keeps getting better from there. You use the Muppets for the first time ever, really. I'm um, getting to you know who they are. You have classic gags, the cameos, the puppet work, Seth's Kiss, or Sweet of Seth's Kiss. I think the 2011 Muppet movie was really the crowning achievement, though, right? Not only the do all those things again gags cameos puppet work they played off our nostalgia both in-universe and out-of-universe introduced a brand new Muppet and Walter actually had compelling human side characters by Jason Segel and Amy Adams a song that won be- Oscar for Best Original Song Man or Muppet is a legitimate banger and and, and, and even all, on top of all that has just a compelling theme and lesson of being of you know finding yourself and growing up and, and so on so man it just brings it here to my eye man You know this is definitely one of the best movies I've re-watched all year so um, yeah, that's my Muppet ranking And what I've been watching you know, I hope to catch a documentary The Territory before my subscription ends Watch the Groot Swords As well as the Lucasfilm Studio Ghibli collaboration you know, I just checked I'm at 81 films for the year for, uh, That I've seen for the first time So uh, it's going to be a while But I'm hoping to push to 100 films this year uh, with that that's a wrap for this episode super ideas for us to cover via box or email at boxofficewatchpodcast at dmw.com or on twitter at bowatchpodcast or socials on spotify, itunes and google play make sure you subscribe, leave a review or at least share with a movie loving friend any of that helps uh, numbers used in the show come from the, numbers, the numbers.com enter and music from Kevin MacLeod incompetent of filmmusic.io editing products in my Ninsboy media until next time this has been the box office watch podcast and remember our watch goes on